This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, episode 155. Good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what we say it is each week, folks. It's a show where we focus on everything to do with sci-fi and fantasy books, whether it's space opera and military sci-fi, epic fantasy, urban fantasy, swords and sorcery, you name it. We try to bring you the best and brightest authors from all the various corners of the fantasy and sci-fi book world here to you on the show each week. So um, let's kick off things with my own author update. I'm just about finished with The Paramedic Sorceress, which is book nine in my Extreme Medical Services series. I'm really excited about this one, and I really think the readers are going to like it too. I've also added um, recently a store to my author site, so um, people that want to get some special items I'm going to make available there. Um, there'll be some t-shirts for supernatural paramedic fans out there. Um, you can check that out over at jamiedavisbooks.com shop. Um, but for anything else you want to find out what I'm up to, make sure you head over and check out the Facebook group, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers. Well, where I do sneak peeks of upcoming covers, special giveaways, including a special t-shirt giveaway this month, and a whole lot more, all available on Facebook at Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers. So come on by. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, on this episode, our special guest is author and podcaster Patrick O'Donnell. Sergeant O'Donnell worked in one of the nation's largest police departments for 25 years. He has been in charge of thousands of crime scenes and investigations, including homicides, sexual assaults, and robberies. Now, as an author, he's here to help you and other people out there in the world understand how a crime-related novel or screenplay is possible and what police really do. So his Cops and Writers podcast is a look at how authors represent police and other investigators in their procedures in the author's books. Uh, I invited him to come on the show because I thought I would be fun to talk to him about how that translates into fantasy and sci-fi stories with police and investigations going on. So uh, let's get into this interview with Patrick and check it out. Hi, Patrick. Welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Jamie. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and um, you know, what, you, what you're up to. Okay. Well, my name is Patrick O'Donnell. I was a police sergeant in the city of Milwaukee for 25 years. Actually, I, my anniversary of retiring was just a couple of days ago. So I've been, now I've been retired for one year. I've been off the job for a year. So pretty happy about that. I made it out in one piece. So that's a good thing. While I was there, I did a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, I started working nights. I worked midnight to eight for 13 years in probably one of the busiest districts in the city, one of the most violent. And then I worked seven at night till three in the morning for four years. Then I finished my career during the day shift, which was eight in the morning till four in the afternoon. So that was yeah, I, I had quite the variety of assignments, different neighborhoods. I worked all over the city, and I was a police sergeant, which meant I was in. I was a police officer first, obviously, and then I got promoted to sergeant after I was a cop for about five, six years, somewhere in that ballpark. 
So the greater chunk of my career, I was a boss and I was on the street the entire time. So tell us a little bit. I know you have a podcast you're starting. Um, tell us a little bit about that process, uh, that project and how you got um, started working on it. Yeah, it kind of piggybacks. It all started with the Facebook group. You know, I well, actually, everything started with me writing. I started writing, you know, I published my first book probably I think it was 2016 somewhere in that ballpark and you know I'm an indie I love indie authors and I started going to conferences and you know getting connected and I got connected with the 20 books to 50k group and I went I've been to all the conferences there absolutely love them the people could not be nicer you know when you go to something like this and people were coming up to me and they're like, oh you're the police guy and I didn't know us. I knew the first conference, I knew one person, one person. And I, I talked to her for like maybe 20 minutes and I didn't even know her that well. And then, you know, I'm on my own and I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I'm not an introvert. It's kind of hard to be a cop and be introverted. There are some, there are some. Same thing for paramedics too. And nurses, yeah, <laughs> you're outgoing you, by nature. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to talk to people. <laughs> you, you can't be afraid to ask what's hurting. <laughs> are you allergic to anything? You know, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, and I, I got to tell you, you know, for nurses and paramedics, you know, I, I spent a great deal of time in the emergency room when I was working, you know, with trauma victims, gunshot victims, you know, car accidents, mostly gunshot victims. But, you know, so we had a great working relationship with the nurses and the docs. And I didn't know it until I started working in law enforcement, but paramedics were working in the ER. I thought they were only like riding in ambulances, but they were actually working in ERs too. So I found that to be interesting. And, you know, a lot of times on TV dramas and movies, there's this real adversarial sometimes it's like, oh, you know, we can't, it's like, it's not like that at all. If anything, doctors are always in a hurry, especially like in a major city where, you know, like last year we had 220 shootings, you know, well, I'm sorry, 220 homicides, almost uh, a little over 900 non-fatal shootings. So almost a thousand of a city is 600,000. So as you can imagine, you know, our level four trauma center is hopping, you know, it's so, you know, doctors sometimes seem short, but, you know, they've got a hundred different things that they're thinking about, but we have stuff that we have to do. But the nurses and the paramedics were always kind of the buffers, you know, between the two, you know, between the coppers and the uh, the docs. So, but I never had a bad, like, instance where, you know, the only time I think in 25 years, I only had one bad experience with a nurse. And I talked to one of the doctors about it and I'm like, and not in like a confrontational way. I said, you know, is she okay? You know, what, what's going on? He said, she worked in a different part of the state where she's not used to this kind of clientele and this kind of, you know, these, these cases coming in. She's just, she isn't used to it and she's having a real hard time adapting to it. So I'm like, Oh, okay. And then a week later she was gone, you know, so that's, but out of 25 years, that's the only time that I've ever had a problem. So yeah, that's that. So what, what, now what genre do you write? Um, I started out, <laughs> I, I wrote a book about how to buy a car. When, before I was a cop, 
I sold cars. I bartended. You know, I went to college, got my degree in sociology and criminology. And it took me six years to get on a department. You know, back then it was very, very difficult. And especially if you kind of want to stick around in a certain area, if you want a job in police work, you pretty much have to be the same thing with like fire departments, that kind of thing. You have to be flexible geographically. And I was to a point, but, and as the longer I waited, the more flexible I got, you know, it's like, okay. So I had to do all this different stuff. So after I became a cop, I had friends and family, of course, that they'd ask me, hey, could you go along with me? I, I need to buy this car. And like, yeah, sure. And I'd negotiate the deal for him. Well, it got, it got to the point where it's like, you should really write a book about this. And I'm like, okay, I think I will. So I did. And then I wrote a, a couple more books. Then I wrote a post-apocalyptic fiction. I, I really liked that. And I was in the middle of the second book in a series. And I was halfway done with that. And I just started the Cops and Writers Facebook group because I had so many people asking me for, you know, would a police officer really do this? Is it plausible for this? You know, you know, can you arrest somebody for that? And so I'm like, you know what, I'll just start the Facebook group. And when I first started, you know, it was like maybe it was me, my editor and a couple of friends. And now it's 3,200 people and it's been about a year and a half, maybe. So it's, it's grown quite a bit. I've got three admins now and, you know, we're rocking and rolling. And I started writing the Cops and Writers books. And the first one is Cops and Writers from the Academy to the Street. And that explains, you know, how you become a police officer, kind of the meat and potatoes. Right. And maybe mixed in with some stories, you know, like what happened to me through all that, the different ranks, the structure of different police departments, sheriff's departments, you know, what's the difference, that kind of thing. And then the second book is Cops and Writers, Crime Scenes and Investigations, how we actually solve crimes. You know, what, who does what at a crime scene? You know, you have a homicide. Who's doing what and why are they doing it? That kind of thing. And then it just kept on snowballing and I kept on building my brand. And I'm like, you know what? I love podcasts. I absolutely love podcasts. So, you know, do what you love. So (laughs) I've been the guest on a bunch of different podcasts. And, you know, every time I'm a guest, I'm like, I think I could do this. So I, I launched my podcast, Cops and Writers, about a week ago, about a week ago. So very, very new. But before I launched it, I had nine interviews already, quote unquote, in the That's can. That's the way to do it. Yeah. So I'm not scrambling at the last second for a guest. And I have now I have people approaching me. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really that's neat. Great. You know, yep. and, and people probably wonder why I have you on the show, because you're writing books about how writers can write better about cops. And um, I brought you on first to help promote your podcast a little bit because it's new and I, I like to do that, but also because I write urban fantasy and I'm a, I write about paramedics who, who deal with supernatural things. And I have this unit of police officers that do the same thing. They, they're the police okay. officers that deal with supernatural things. Um, and so occasionally the paramedics call the police like paramedics do when they need right. backup. Um, sure. and, and so there are, there is a need in fantasy and sci-fi to have an accurate representation of police and, and how they interact. And I think there are things you can extrapolate even in a science fiction setting. Police work is police work. Wouldn't you agree? And in, in, no matter where you're doing it, there are certain standard oh. things that are going to happen wherever you are. 
Absolutely. You know, if you're writing like what you're talking about, maybe the technology will be a little bit different. You know, you can kind of jump in the future. But I mean, I think back and 25 years ago when I first started, well, 26 years ago when I first started as a cop, we hand wrote all of our reports. There were no computers in squad cars. There was no cameras in squad cars. You know, I, I didn't have a taser. I didn't even know what a taser was. You know, you just, you had the gift of gab. That's, that's what got you out of most um, problems. And, you know, 26 years later, we have all this cool technology. Everything's on a computer. You know, you do all your reports that way or whatever. But meat and potatoes, like real police work, is the same. Nothing has changed. Yeah. And, and you know, there's some great, there's some great, representations in science fiction and fantasy. I think first one that comes to mind is Blade Runner. Oh, I was just thinking the same thing. I love that movie. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's this gritty, it's this gritty crop, um, gritty cop film noir drama, you know, it's, it's just set in the future. Um, so there's, there's technology things going on, like you said, but he's still a detective doing his job, trying to track down the bad guy. And it all boils down to this detective is doing his job and he's experiencing all kinds of, you know, problems in his own head with all of this reconciling some things. And, you know, what was great about Blade Runner too, is they, a Harrison Ford wasn't just this like stoic character that they really didn't develop. You know, that's what I liked about it. You know, it, they wrote it really well and, you know, you feel bad for the Android too, you know? So it's, it, it had action. It was, it had humor it was just, it was such a good movie, but it was police work. You know, how you solve a crime is you have to go out and put it in the work. You know, there's no magic, anything. You could have all kinds of technology, but you literally have to go and do the dirty work to get it done. And and so I, you know, and I, I tried to think of good representations in even like epic fantasy, you know, the, the swords and sorcery realm of um, police work. There's a couple of detective style representations in that realm of fiction but not a lot and i Mm -hmm. think because often the person doing the solving of the crime is often the the hero you know the typical sword sword wielding hero and not necessarily a cop um but i think that you could also do the same thing there even if there's magic in the world the cop might have some magic but there's also going to be counter magic to go the other direction so there's always going to be somebody as he's pushing forward somebody going to be pulling against him you know there's always going to he's always going to have an adversary there's always going to be a roadblock and that's real you know that's very real you know there's always going to be something there's a fly in the ointment i mean yes sometimes we would get super lucky yeah i mean the first homicide i went to the guy is we respond to it i'm still on field training i think i had two weeks on the job we get called seven o'clock in the morning for a stabbing there's a description of the person that did the stabbing. We're driving down the street. We're about a block away. And there's dude running down the street at our squad car. <laughs> you know, he's got the knife in his hand and he's literally covered in blood. And I'm like, okay. So I hop out. My partner hops out. Yeah, you know, I draw down on him. He's running at me with a knife. And I'm like, oh, sh- I'm going to have to shoot somebody. I don't want to shoot somebody in the second week of my you know career. I guess I'm over. I'm done. You know, that wouldn't have happened, but just saying, yeah. And of course that was the guy who just stabbed somebody and killed him. And he actually didn't run away, which was even more shocking. I think he could tell by my eyes. I mean, we locked eyes and it's like, yeah, I'm not fooling around here, dude. You know, one more step and you're done. And he just dropped the knife and 
lay down on the ground and that was the end of it. But you got, you got, you know, sometimes those lucky things happen, but otherwise, like you said, you have to put in the work. Absolutely. What's the thing that, that you see people getting wrong most often? Boy, there's so many. Oh my gosh. Um, You know, we were just talking about like technology, you know, Harrison Ford and Blade Runner had a cool gun. And then you have people when it comes to firearms with their stories, you know, you'll watch TV or a movie and a, you have the pistol with unlimited ammunition. You know, it just keeps on firing. I'll, I'll count because I'm, I'm a geek that way. And you know, it was like, okay, they were done like three bullets ago. This is not okay. You know, it's a revolver and it's shooting 12 times without them reloading. I'm like, no, no, no. You know, and then they're talking about if you're a writer and you're writing a, a novel, you know, very common is, you know, then he took the safety off of his Glock. Glocks don't have exterior safeties. You know, that, so firearm stuff, no, you're, you don't have to be a, a super expert in this, but, you know, say somebody's shooting a shotgun, that gives a pretty good kick. A 12 gauge shotgun gives a real good kick. You have to have it firmly planted in your shoulder. And even at that, you know, you feel it. But an AR 15 or an M4, that platform, that barely has any kind of kick whatsoever. It's just like, you know, it's there, but it's barely anything. You see these movies where it's almost like flying out of the guy's shoulder and stuff. And they're like, no, that not at all. So you got that. Uh, private investigators. You know, sometimes you will have stories where the police are working closely with a private investigator to solve the crime. That almost never happens. Private investigators do civil investigating. Yeah, my brother was a PI. And what he did was he did a lot of fraud cases where, say, I'm working in a factory and I say I blow out my back. The doctor says, I can't lift more than 10 pounds. So I'm home on disability. Well, he'd be filming them from a surveillance van, chopping wood in their cabin up north and launching their boat and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that kind of thing is a lot more prevalent. The only time that we would see stuff like this is working with a PI would be defense attorneys would hire private investigators. And that's to like maybe and interview a witness to maybe a crime and maybe get a little more information, anything to discredit the victim to make their client look a little bit better. That was common traffic accidents. You know, they might hire a private investigator, the insurance company, they have their own investigators, but maybe they could subcontract one, do a little more investigating on the accident, talk to witnesses, maybe check out physical evidence if they can. But once a private investigator finds evidence of an actual crime they're supposed to be turning that over to the proper absolutely authorities. they also and they do the stereotypical you know trying to find a cheating spouse you know like filming you know we would we'd start roll call in the morning and it's like yeah we got a private detective that's going to be at this address in this car and he's going to be there all day and he's just waiting to see if somebody's coming out of the car i mean excuse me coming out of their house you know and they're gonna have a rendezvous with somebody or something like that yeah so they do, they might check in because they don't want to get, you know, bothered with. You're right. But so because that, inevitably somebody in the neighborhood would call and say, hey, we've got the suspicious car. It's been here all day out and it doesn't belong. And it's like, okay. And then you could look and it's like, okay, he's a PI. Yeah. So another thing would be taking somebody in for, to interview them, you know, take them in and, without being arrested. You know, you take them in for questioning. 
you know, you often hear that, you know, the dramatic part of a show. It's like, you know, I'm going to take you in for questioning. Well, you can say, yeah, I'll come along with you, but I don't want to go to the station unless you're under arrest. Then that's kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you it's the same just... thing with paramedics. You can't take somebody in the ho- put them in the ambulance, take them to the hospital if they were refusing to go with you. you know, right. Unless I there's mean, a very good reason that they you right. don't think they're of their right mind. Or if they're going to die, you know, right. But yeah, you know, it's so that often gets misinterpreted. Then the use of Miranda warnings, you know, it's very dramatic. You know, I'm arresting you, Jamie, for the murder of, you know, Fred down the street or whatever. You have the right to remain silent. We never did that. Yeah, it's like, turn around, put your hands behind your back. Yeah. Okay, genius. You're under arrest. I think you figured that out. And I don't need to Mirandize you right now. You know, the the cop on the street is the one who does almost all the arresting. And the only time you Mirandize somebody and give them their warnings is, A, they have to be in custody, they have to be under arrest, and B, you have to be questioning them about the crime. So, you know... it's the detective or somebody back at the station that's usually doing that. Yeah, what happens is what I would do, and it's police officers and detectives, and as I got along further in my career, more police officers were doing quote unquote detective work. And it depends where you are. Sometimes detectives aren't even called detectives. They're called investigators. And it's not a promotion for some departments. It's a lateral transfer or some departments, they actually require their police officers to become an investigator, to become a detective for say three, four years or however long. And they can stay there maybe if they want to, or they just go back to patrol but that makes them a better all around, you know, cop because they have that experience now. So what happens is, you know, I arrest you. I take you to the station. Yeah. You're going to get fingerprints taken your picture taken. You're going to be held in a cell and I'm going to take, you know, like your shoelaces out of your shoes and your belt and any kind of drawstrings, that kind of thing. And nobody's going to be giving you a Miranda warnings yet because I'm not asking, you know, I'm going to ask you your name. I'm going to ask you where you live, where do you work? If you're a student, you know, where do you go to school? Um, if you're a juvenile, you know, what's your mom or dad's contact information? Cause I'm going to have to call them and let them know what's going on. You know, th- just basic stuff. How tall are you? How much do you weigh? You know, you know, all that kind of good stuff. I don't need to Mirandize you for that at all. And then, you know, eventually if you're going to be questioned, you go into, uh, an interview room, which is a glorified room closet, really. I mean, they're not very big. And it's usually a table with a couple of chairs that are bolted to the floor so they can't hit you over the head with it. And, you know, and then it's going to be like, hey, Jamie, you know what? You know why you're here. You know, you're under arrest for, you know, the homicide of blah, blah, blah. I'm going to want to know your side of the story. And you know what? I might start with a pedigree. That's what we would call it. And it's like, where were you born? Who do you live with? Are you married? Do you have kids? And what it does one of two things. If you go out and commit more crimes later, now I know where to look for you. And two, we're developing a rapport. You know, we're kind of breaking down the barrier there. And then say, hey, you know what? Before we go any further, I do have to let you know you have the right to remain silent, you know, and then yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what kind of authors have you been interviewing for your podcast? 
Oh, I've I've got all kinds. Uh, Craig Martell has already been on. Um, oh, and he's got gonna, that great legal series too that he does. Oh, the science yeah, fiction he's got series. like a spy series, Judge, it's really Jury, good. and Executioner, and he's got this new thriller series, right? Yeah, it's uh, Ian Bragg. Mm-hmm. I, I've been reading that, and it's really good. I've, I've, I'm super impressed. That that's really good. Um, not everybody is a author. Like I, I one two days ago, I interviewed a gal that is an Irish police officer in Ireland, and I wanted to get her perspective. You know, over in the U, over in Ireland. So that's going to be a special bonus St. Patrick's Day episode. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I thought that would be a good thing to do. So I, um, oh, gee, I'm getting it. Excuse me a second. No, that's okay. I just so, wanted to, you know, know, you know, we were getting authors from all kinds of different backgrounds. Oh, and yeah. I, and stuff. I did uh, Josh Hayes, Scott Moon. Okay. From great. Keystroke Medium. Yep. I have some, I have some surprise ones coming up that are like actually big, big names that I kind of stumbled across and people, again, the Facebook group has been huge in helping me, you know, like yesterday I interviewed actually my editor, Jennifer uh, Severino, and she was a defense attorney for like 20 years. So, so she has her, her. her own whole perspective on oh, how the legal system Oh yeah. System and she also has um, 35 books that she's published. Yeah. That's so great. we talked about the writing biz, you know, it's cops and writers. So, you know, it's not always going to be a cop and it's not always going to be a writer, but it's advantageous when I have somebody that's both. Well, and you need, you need that expertise because I know I get quite, you know, authors that know me and know my background will, will often say, look, I, I, I've got a character that got shot here. How long can they run before they pass out? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, it depends on a lot. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, yes, it does. <laughs> But, you know, I start going down the questions and, you know, how they could treat it if they had to treat it themselves, if they could even treat it themselves. Right. Um, you know, those kind of things. Uh, so I can only imagine the types of questions that you get as well. Um, but Oh, yeah. I, I, every day I get them. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is great. That's fine. I want to help out authors. And no, I it's, get it's, it it's right. fantastic. And, and I, I just wanted to. You know, we're kind of getting down towards the end of the show. And I wanted to just sure. thank you for coming on um, because it's. It, it, I think it's important. There's a lot of authors that listen to this program and a lot of readers that listen, but I think the readers like getting a look under the hood from time to time and seeing oh, yeah, how, absolutely. you know, authors, we try really hard to get it right. And one of the reasons I write fantasy and, and stuff with, with a medical twist to it is because the medicine's often wrong in a lot of books. Right. Oh God, it's wrong. You know, it's funny. I was talking, who was I talking to? It was a surgeon. I just bumped into you know, a couple of years back and he found out what I did for a living and we just started chatting and he's like, well, what police show like on TV is the most realistic. I said, most of them are garbage. I mean, yeah, they can be entertaining, but you can't like trust what's going on there. I said, you know, the first couple of seasons of Southland was really good. Hill street blues was good. As far as the interaction between the cops, that would, they, that was really good. And I said, okay, let me flip the, um, let me flip it on you. I said, what about medical stuff? He said, you know what? You're going to laugh at me. I said, what? Scrubs. Scrubs. I was going to say, Scrubs is is a sitcom that has the most accurate representation of both the medicine and the way it works inside a hospital. Yeah. You know, he said, you're going to laugh at me. He said, but Scrubs. And I love that show. I'm like, that's hilarious. And he said, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. And, you know, I'll talk to my wife loves all the medical shows. You know, she watches Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Med, all these other ones. And I'm like, you do realize 
when they bring in somebody that a they're going to work on them for like more than two minutes and before they pronounce them dead. And like, I hope I never go to this fictitious um, hospital because, you know, they're not even going to try as like, they do like five chest compressions. All right, let's call it. If, if they're that dead, they would have, the paramedics would have called it in the field. They would have called right. on the radio and said, Hey doc, we worked this guy for 45 minutes in his living room. Can we call it? I mean, that's what well, we do here in Maryland at least. Well, and that's the thing, you know, you, if you've ever been involved in any of that kind of stuff, you know, the nurses and the docs and the paramedics, anybody that's in there, they're working their asses off for how long trying to save this person. It just doesn't end. And on top of that, okay, if it's an emergency room, they get them stabilized, they do whatever they got to do, then they're off to whatever, you know, a lot of times surgery. And then when they're done with surgery, they don't go back to the emergency room. Right. They get you know, the, the, like, the unit in the hospital that's best right. available to treat them. Yeah, like ICU or whatever. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I'm, I'm watching this and I'm just like, hey, he's back in the same room in the ER. Why is he there? <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't. The ER wouldn't let him come back because th- their beds no. are at a premium down there. So. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, they sure are. Yeah. Hey, listen, where can folks find your podcast and, and your Facebook group and stuff? Oh, thanks. Uh, everything is Cops and Writers. I'm making it super simple. It's the Cops and Writers podcast. It, on i think 20 different um platforms you know the most popular obviously apple and then uh stitcher uh yeah all all the google play uh alexa all those i i'm on all of them so just cops and writers podcast then the cops and writers facebook group love to have you then cops and is my website and i'm exclusive on amazon with the cops and writers series of books so just plug in cops and writers and you'll find it Awesome. Well, Patrick, thanks for coming on the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's It's been a blast. I know this episode's a little different from what we usually do for you guys out there in the listening audience, but I wanted to give um, Patrick a chance to talk about his show and also to give you a chance to see how authors come up with some of the ideas and, and try to get things right when they write. So, uh, Patrick, well, thanks again. I tell you what. Yeah, I tell you what, Jamie, you're probably one of the nicest guys I've met as far as helping other people. You're you're a super nice guy. And you know, when I was starting the podcast saying I barely knew you, and I'm like, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? And you were more than willing to help me out. And yeah, that's that's a huge credit to you. Thank you. Oh well, thank you. I I you know try to give back. Somebody helped me once upon a time. That's how I get sure. to do what I do. So um, absolutely gotta pass it on. So yep. Patrick, take care. I'll put links to your sh- to your show and your resources in the show notes. And um, we'll um, hopefully be in touch again. Maybe I'll see you at 20 books in November. Oh yeah, I'll be there. Sounds good. Take care. Okay, thanks. That will wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Make sure you catch up with us for a whole lot more from the fantasy and sci-fi focus community, both on Facebook and, of course, over at fantasy-focus.com. Leave a comment on this episode over on the website and let me know what's on your mind. Also, while you're over there, make sure you subscribe to the show. There are links to subscribe to the podcast right there below the audio player at fantasy-focus.com on each episode page. You can subscribe via iOS, Android, whatever your favorite mobile device is, even by email if you want. And you want to do that because we've got some awesome authors coming up for you in the next few months. You won't want to miss them. And we've got another uh, special 
set of guests coming up next week where we interview father-son author team Dan and Robert Zangari. So uh, I hope you'll come back for that. Anyway, that's it for this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over on Facebook at Jamie Davis Books and at my website, jamiedavisbooks.com, where if you want, you can get a free book just by signing up for the newsletter. You'll find a link on the right-hand side of the page. Whatever you do, though, subscribe to the podcast. Come back here for the next podcast episode. And in the meantime... Make sure you keep your eyes open out there, folks, because there's magic all around you.